0: We're actually continuing with a bit of a tough topic this morning. It's the fourth in a series of four, and, um, and it's breaking bad. I mentioned last week no one really likes to deal with the yuck stuff, but we do want to know the enemies of the heart, and we do want to protect those around us and ourselves from those enemies, to pretend they're not there or to just bury them under the carpets not healthy. And so um, this morning we're continuing that, and, um, and we're in a spiritual battle, and we want to Acknowledge that and, and be proactive in that and not just, just reactive to what's going on but actually put good things in place so that even if one of these four themes have, isn't an issue for you today, to be aware of it and to put things in place to go, I'm going to protect those around me when I see them in these circumstances and myself from these four enemies of the heart, then, then, then I will. I want to be part of that. The first week we did was offence and um, how to deal with offence in a, in a healthy way, in a godly way. The second week, we looked at addictions and trying to find healthy ways to break those patterns, break the things that, that bind us, that hold us down. Last week, I looked at religious attitudes, the way um, the truth of God's word can be distorted and twisted and, and how we want to we be aware of that and uh, stand on God's truth. And this week we're looking at a top topic that I actually didn't want to deal with because I I find it hard. And that's rebellion. It seems everybody actually loves a rebel. There's uh, not just not just Aussies, but particularly Aussies. Uh, does anyone know who this guy is? William Wallace from the movie Braveheart apparently is a real guy as well, but that's not him. Does anyone know why he was a rebel? Yep. went against the Queen. And for some people, if, if I'd been given a dollar for every time a, a, a pastor's used um, him as an illustration in a sermon, I reckon I'd be up to about five bucks now. And uh, he seems to be a bit of a popular rebel for, uh, for using as an illustration. Kids, do you know who that is? Gru. What's, uh, What makes Gru a bit of a rebel? a bit crazy, a bit wild, is evil. He tries to steal the moon. He tries to steal the moon. This one's going to test you. Does anyone know who this guy is? Jacko. Mark Jackson, a football player from the 80s who didn't like to do things the way everyone else did them. He was pretty rough. But he was popular enough. To actually extend his career beyond football, does anyone know what he did after he finished football? He he actually released an album that that uh, the single "I'm an Individual," which I just had a little clip of, just to bring back memories. But it actually got to number three in the charts. So this guy who was a thug of a footy player and and you know was pretty rough and didn't like following the rules. Yeah. (laughs) Didn't wear a mouth guard, he preferred to take his teeth out and said, No, not that one. (laughs) It's on the desktop. So there you go, that's the one. So there you go. Kids, that's what you missed out on in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's nothing that you missed out on there. But, but it seems like people actually like, there's, there's this sense of, of attachment to rebels. If we look at the definition of, uh, of a rebel, rebellion is a refusal of obedience or order, encompassing a range of behaviours, aimed at disrupting, destroying or taking over the position of an established authority. So each of those three wanted to break the trend of what was, what was the authority or the power was. And, and I guess, yeah, either disrupt, destroy or take over in each of their cases. Now, there's, there's a particular rebel that we all know. Jesus was a rebel. He rebelled against the... The, the religious leaders of the day stirred them up to the point that they wanted to kill him. But before we idolise rebels, Satan's also a rebel. And and so this morning, rebellion isn't the, the broad topic of rebellion I'm, I don't want to talk about because we can look at these two people and go, well, there's one I want to aspire to and one I don't. So rebellion in and of itself is not a good or a bad thing. There's there's times that we can we can look at Jesus example of rebellion and go, yeah, there's some things that I want to I want to buck the trend, I want to upset the way the 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 authority and the 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 the, the way this world is set up. I want to I want to actually be counter that. I want to be disruptive to that. But at the same time we look at Satan's model, we go, no, no, I don't want to be a rebel like that. I want to have a heart for God. I want to be obedient to his command. I want to follow him and his authority. And so today I want to narrow it down a little bit and say we want to look at a caution about a rebellious heart towards God's plans and purposes. So it's not looking at rebellion as a whole, but it's actually looking at that caution of a rebellious heart towards what God's doing. Romans 16, 17 18 says, And now I make one more appeal to your brothers and sisters. Watch out for people who cause division and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what you have been taught. Stay away from them. Such people are not serving Christ our Lord. They are serving their own personal interests. By smooth talk and glowing words, they deceive innocent people. That's a rebellion I don't want to be part of. And that's why I point out that it's about serving Christ our Lord. Philippians 2, 1 to 3 says, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing holy heartily with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. So as a church, there's a role that we play in in reinforcing, encouraging, spurring on, driving God's agenda and protecting that and protecting ourselves and those around us from that rebellious nature. I want to be clear that in the church, it's not about specifically submitting to church leaders. And this is my wrestle with delivering this topic to you because it's kind of, in some ways, it can feel like politicians voting for themselves to get a pay rise. You know, that's, that's I, I want to separate what we're talking about from that. Leaders are an important part of the church, but they're not the church. Um, and I really like what Paul says in Galatians. Um, there's, a, there's a bit before this, but then it flows on in two six to 7 And the leaders of the church had nothing to add to what I was preaching. By the way, their reputation as great leaders made no difference to me, for God has no favourites. Instead, they saw that God had given me the responsibility of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, just as he had given Peter the responsibility of preaching to the Jews. So there's no favourites. God gave, and those people acted. And I think that's a healthy way to look at it, that it's not about the authority of a leader, it's the authority that we each have under Christ. We're each given gifts, we're each given abilities and we have to be uh, stewards of that and and protectors of the rebellion against what God's putting in place across the board. So I just want to make that clear. Um, Okay, I need some volunteers. Yeah, here we go. Beautiful. Yeah, you've been dubbed in. Let's go. I'm, I'm forming a basketball team. So does anyone else want to join the basketball team? Come on, Steve. You're up. Hello Michaela, you're on the team, and I need a, uh, I I just, I don't know how many tops I've got, so I've got to work this out. Does everyone know that Catalyst has a basketball team? Here we go. Now, you don't have to put this on, because actually, you can wear my top, because that's going to fit you. Do you want to whack that on? (laughs) Here we go. And Jenny, you can be their coach. Do you want to come up as their coach? There we go, Fantastic. Here we go, coach. So, here we go. We have our Catalyst basketball team. Thanks, guys. Do you want to come over and join the team? Now, they've all got different abilities and they are all uh, have, have different skills and maybe different skill levels, but they're on the same team. So, coach, do you want to just tell them what's the aim of the game? What are we doing? What's, what's, the, what's the overall premise of the game? Yeah? Yeah, <laughs> the game is to win. To win. How do you win? By getting goals. Okay, okay. So they get the big picture that the coach has told them that they're trying to get goals. Now, there's a bunch of things, and this is what I want to look at here. I'm going to use this as an example for rebellion. So, so the coach representing Jesus um, is leading the team representing the church family to a goal, an end goal. So what are some triggers that potentially would make these four people not want to start kicking some goals? They're not kicking, that's the wrong sport. The opposition, that's true, that's a good one. Okay, here we go, first one, Michaela. I've got insecurity and rejection. So if Michaela thinks that the others aren't passing the ball to her, if she feels like the outsider, that she, that she, that, um, that she doesn't have a role to play, She's not that confident. She goes, "I'm not as good as the other guys on the team." Then, then that sense of insecurity and rejection, it might not cause her to rebel against the team, but it's a potential trigger to make her go, "You know what? Maybe this team's not for me. Maybe I actually want to shoot goals for the other end. Maybe I'm just not motivated and I won't really try very hard." Steve, he's a gun. Have you seen him on a basketball court? So we've got, we got the next one's pride and arrogance. <laughs> he knows he's the best on the team. He, he's, he's good. Um, but you see, but his pride and arrogance might actually stop him and, and cause him to rebel against the team because he doesn't think this team, he doesn't want to listen to the coach, he doesn't want to... He, he actually he thinks... He's too good for it. And so he wants to potentially rebel against the team because he's got it together. He's, he's, he's confident. Yeah? <laughs> You're playing that well, thank you. So you think I've prepared him earlier, wouldn't you? Manipulation and control. Josh. So Josh, why everyone, basically. Why is everyone looking at me that way? <laughs> So these are, things, these are things that might cause you to not be part of the team, not want to be part of the team. And if you want to be in charge all the time and you don't want to listen to what your coach has to say, that could maybe cause you not to, be want, to want to be part of the team, wouldn't it? Yeah? So we've got to be careful about maybe, maybe if uh, Josh starts telling the other people, don't listen to Jenny, I can, I can tell you a better thing. I can listen to me, do what I say. Then he's gonna try and manipulate the team and and, and uh, get the team thinking about things that Jenny's tried to keep her focus on. So that's something we've got to watch out for. And the last one, ignorance and false teaching. Poor Peter here, <laughs> he's never he's never played basketball before. So he's just new to it. So he's come along and wants to have a go. But if he doesn't realise what the aim of the game is, how to play with his teammates, how to, how to make it happen, maybe, maybe he got told some things that aren't actually true. Maybe, maybe someone told him that you, know, that, you know, do whatever you want. Jenny doesn't have to tell you what to do. You can do whatever you want. Maybe someone told him that. It's not his fault, but if he's got some false teaching or, or is ignorant to what's going on, then the risk is there that he can also potentially want to rebel. Does that make sense? Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Thank you, coach. So it's a simple analogy, but it's some really serious things behind the analogy. Things that potentially are triggers to us turning our back on God. These things aren't, aren't things that we can potentially protect ourselves from happening, but they're things that we need to deal with when they do happen. The things that we wrestle in ourselves, in our relationships, in the fact that we are a team, the the fact that we do have different gifts and abilities and bring different things to the table, in that we do have a diverse ranges of experience and some are new and some have been around for a long time and some have learnt bad habits and and, and some are really stable and all different sorts of stuff. There's all different things that part of being a team and, and part of being part of God's family makes it hard makes it hard to, to protect and to notice these things that are triggers that cause people to stray, that cause people to, to decide they don't want to be part of the team anymore, they don't want to be listening to the coach. So what's some, what's some things that are signs that we've gone far, that we're, we're starting to head away? The first one is gossip or slander. Proverbs 26 says, Fire goes out without wood, and quarrels disappear when gossip stops. A quarrelsome person starts fighting, starts fights as easily as hot embers like coals or fire lights wood. Rumors are dainty morsels that sink deep into one's heart. If we're on a team and Christ is our coach, then we need to protect what comes out of our mouth. We need what comes out of our mouth to represent our coach and represent our team. And we need to protect those around us who might go, well, I've heard this. I, I, I think that's, I don't need to know. There's someone that does need to know. If there's an issue we've got going on, let's not bury it under the carpet. But um, scripture talks very clearly about how to deal with misunderstandings, how to deal with with things that are wrong. Things go wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. We're all broken. We've all fallen short. But it's how you deal with that and starting a rebellion through slander or or gossip is not a healthy way to help the team get some goals. Matthew 18 says, if another believer sins against you, it happens. Go privately and point out the offence. If the other person listens and confesses it, confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again, so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. There's a healthy way to deal with problems, and gossip and slander isn't one of them. Isolation. Hebrews 10:24 to 25 says, "Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds." Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. A great way that uh, lions attack their prey is they start running after a herd of, say, zebras, and they watch, and they're watching, and they see what unfolds. And what they do is they wait for one to turn the wrong way, When the herd turns the other, and they've got them on their own, they know they're isolated and they're vulnerable and they're able to be attacked because their energy levels are going to drop. When they're in the herd, they had the motivation of the herd. When they had the the confusion of animals moving left and right, it's hard to single out a single animal. But as soon as they turn the wrong way, or as soon as in their weakness or in their struggle, they choose to separate themselves... The lines go, that's our one. That's who we're going to go for. And unfortunately, there's a big confusion, I think, sometimes between isolation and restoration. Some people think that by isolating themselves, they have a chance to restore, to recoup, to, to reinvigorate themselves. That's restoration. Restoration's good. Restoration's fantastic, and we need to pay attention and observe. But there is no one on the bench in God's team. There is seasons and there's times where you need to have people sown into you. You need to be aware and be conscious of your limitations and let God do a work in you. But that's not on the bench. That's just being part of the team. That's just receiving and being sown into. That's very different to isolating yourself and benching yourself and saying, I'm going to separate myself from, from the herd, from the pack. And that's when things can get dangerous because you're then vulnerable to your own thinking, you're vulnerable to mistruth, um, you're vulnerable to a whole heap of things that in the body there's, there's the accountability and the love and the support and, and the ability for others to stand alongside you and, and, and journey the wrestles and the challenges and the struggles that you're having. But isolating yourself... Is a sign that things aren't good. Indifference, being lukewarm. It's funny because when I look at scripture, I haven't. I, it's, you can't find. You find very few times where things just are the status quo, going through the motions. God is a is a god of change, of transformation, of growth, of breaking chains of renewal, of building relationship. There's a lot of things that God has the agenda of, of doing and being the same, it doesn't seem to be one of them. In fact, he goes the opposite way and says in Revelations, I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other, but since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Part of a rebellion doesn't necessarily have to be proactive. Proactive. Part of a rebellion can be passive. It can be nothing. If people start doing nothing, it's a rebellion. They're not being proactive and going, well, you know, I'm going to fight against whatever's going on, um, whatever God's doing. But indifference and not actually wrestling with that is a, is a risk for rebellion, is a, is a sign that things are going the wrong way. I just want to stop here and just say, that we repeat what I said last week, and that is these, these signs aren't there to condemn anybody. And I think it's really important to know, and I'll repeat what I said last week, that the first step in a healthy mindset is justification. As someone that's accepted Jesus to be Lord and Saviour, you are part of the family of God you're accepted, there is no condemnation, and that's really important that that is the first step. Because if you don't have that, then when we move on to sanctification, which is the working of our restoring our way of of becoming holy in our relationship with God, that that is distorted if you don't have justification first. So when I talk about these things, I'm making very clear that this is not to condemn anybody. This is to give us a warning and to give us something to aspire to. All of us, at some point or another, have done different things that we regret. Um, And I really want to make sure that you know that as I step through these things, that it's not a sense of condemnation, it's a sense of being able to be on the same page and be able to journey together with an aspiration in our sanctification, something that we can journey together with. The next one is tolerance of evil and sin. Revelations 2, 20 and 21 says, But I have this complaint against you. It's to one of the churches. You are permitting that woman, that Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet, to lead my servants astray. She teaches them to commit sexual sin and eat food offered to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she does not want to turn away from her immorality. Now we've all sinned and we all continue to sin. So I don't want to pretend that, you know, anyone that sins is banned from the church because we better all walk out the door right now. (laughs) But there's a difference between sinning and the aspiration of following the coach. We all stuff up what the coach has asked us to do, but we all want to work, work and walk towards the coach's plan. So this tolerance of evil and sin is not about not being able to live with sin, but it's an aspiration to get out of it. The tolerance is about saying, "I'm comfortable with that sin." That's when you've got a problem. If you're comfortable with sin, or you're comfortable with with um, evil, then we've got a problem. And that's what happened in this scenario: that they got to a point where there was someone who was actually proactively promoting. Sinful behaviour. And they said, no, 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 I've given her time to turn around and to start you know, heading back towards what, what God wanted for her, but she's chosen not to. So you shouldn't tolerate if people don't want to grow, don't want to learn, don't want to um, head towards what God's agenda is. The next one's negativity. 1 Corinthians 13.7 says, love never gives up never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. I've uh, got to confess, this is the one that I struggle with. I uh, have shared a number of, number of uh, months ago that I, I've come from a very judgmental position, um, very, very kind of black and white, right and wrong. And I've realised over time that It does nothing for growing, building, moving on, encouraging, supporting, working together. Negativity is very destructive. And it often shows me that I'm looking at things through my perspective, not through God's perspective. Because if we look here, love never gives up. So when I get negative and I give up on someone or a situation then I'm not loving. If I've lost faith in the fact that God can, can make a change, make a difference, then I've lost my love. If I don't have hope that, that God actually has a solution, has a, has a purpose, has a, has a plan, then I'm giving up on my love. And it's through every circumstance. So I think it's really important to remember... For me especially, but for all of us, that when I get negative, that I've lost, I'm heading down a rebellious route. I'm heading down a path that doesn't necessarily reflect what God wants me to be doing. And the last one is respect of leaders. I mentioned earlier this isn't about leadership, and I, I didn't want to put this one in, but for my, my own sake, but it is something that the Bible talks about, and I didn't want to paint a picture that wasn't as it as it is in the Scripture. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Dear brothers and sisters, honour those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peacefully with each other. Leaders aren't really any different to anyone else. In fact, scripturally, if anything they're lower, they're servants. So in a healthy relationship and in a healthy environment, leaders aren't elevated, leaders aren't made heroes of, they're actually servants. And in that healthy perspective and that healthy picture of a church family and a church body, there's, there's some respect that's, um, that the Scripture says to owe leaders. Now, thank you. Now, I wanna, I've been talking about negative stuff. Rebellion is about negative stuff, but it's only, it's only something to be wary of, to be, to be aware of and conscious of and protect our church from and protect God's plans and purposes from. The better way is to be proactive, to initiate love, hope, faith, to live peacefully. There's a whole heap of things. There's a passage that I, I want to, um, to read out to you. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. He's our coach. He's the reason for the team. There's only one team. And what I want to do this morning, if you could all stand up. We're going to finish with something a little bit... uh, A little bit weird, a little bit sporty. Um, I want us all to form a large circle, shoulder on shoulder,